When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, as usual, I'm joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, well over a month, in fact, but we're back, and as usual with this football club, there's quite a bit to talk about. But before all of that, lads, how are we all? Are we enjoying the summer, or do we just want the football back now? I just want the football back now. We all said it's going to be this exciting transfer window. It's a bit draining, isn't it? Really, like, yeah. linked to everyone. <laughs> yeah, just bring the football back. Give us something to talk about. You in the same boat, Alex? Actually, I'm enjoying the break. It's a really unpopular thing. I'm enjoying the break. I'm finally able to catch up on my TV shows that I've missed out on, like The Boys, Stranger Things for the other ones. Um, yeah, I, and actually watch other sport and enjoy other sport. Like, I forgot that cricket exists and Formula One's actually pretty good. But now we all remember it during the summer. Well, I've enjoyed my break. I mean, I, I got myself away on holiday a few weeks ago and I thought, oh, switch off from football just for a couple of weeks. Enjoy my time in America. So I was in Las Vegas, which, I mean, unbelievable place if anybody's been. And I'm at the age now where I can go in the casino, which is fantastic. I was, was downstairs with my dad just getting some drinks. We are going to head back up to the room. And we saw this virtual horse racing machine. So we're having a bit of a laugh. And this guy turns around and goes, oh, this is the fastest place to lose your money in Vegas. And we're chatting and we realise, oh, they've, they've got, you know, Geordie accents, these, these two guys. And one of them sat with a bucket hat on, not saying a lot. I didn't really look at him because I was just talking to his, his, his friend or whoever it may be. And then I clocked, is that Dan Byrne? So I asked him, is it Dan Byrne? He said, yes. <laughs> I asked, can I get a photo? 
I, I certainly did. I mean, I've not posted the photo anyway because I'm not going to do that because I imagine probably the Chronicle will write an article on it or something. But uh, yeah, I, I managed to meet Dan Byrne in a Las Vegas casino, and you've seen the photo, boys, but not to toot my own horn, but I think it's one of the best photos ever created of all time. It's mint. It's absolutely mint. Like, I mean, if you need, if you ever forgot that he's an absolute giant amongst men, that picture is brilliant. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not the tallest of blokes. I'm five foot nine. I wasn't blessed with height. My dad's six foot, but he absolutely just towers over us, and it, it's just <laughs> it's an ridiculous. It's like. just an iconic photo, and the fact it, that he's a professional footballer as well. I mean, like you, when we was out in Vegas at the time, Jack Grealish is out there spending eighty thousand pounds on, you know, on tables. Declan Rice is out there, Neymar's out there, just to name a few. I saw Andy Robertson walking into one of the day clubs as well, and Dan Burns just chilling there with his bucket hat on, his shorts and a shirt on the one dollar horse racing machine i mean he's just he is just a fantastic man and you would never know he was earning so much money so credit to dan burn top lad and i thought you know get away from newcastle get away from football and then you bump into bly's finest footballer downstairs but uh should we, should we get back on track now and dan you alluded to the transfer window and it's it's been it has been draining to be fair because i mean we've gone from transfer windows at newcastle either are hanging on to your best player or doing the bare minimum and as of recent times not being able to afford Hamza Chowdhury's loan fee but so far it's been you know we have been linked to everybody under the sun but other than Matt Target which we've we've already spoke about two new arrivals have come through the door and we have to start with Sven Botman I mean this saga finally drew to a close last week when he officially became a Newcastle United player much to the anger of a certain few Italian journalists who I will not name but the question is, boys, is this the biggest signing the new owners have made to date? Oh, I mean, Bruno, it's similar similar vibes to Bruno for me, like a very highly rated up and coming European talent that a lot of top teams were courting. I mean, you mentioned Milan there, Bruno's the same with Arsenal. So for me, it's a similar sort of level in terms of courted. If he does half as well as Bruno did, then it's going to be a cracking signing. Um, it's just, I think it's the type of signing we can expect, like people who aren't necessarily your major names in football yet but with the project can grow organically with the football club so yeah it's i think we can get used to exciting deals like this hopefully yeah um like as we said when dan the aforementioned dan Byrne came to the club it's rare that we actually spend money on defenders that are centre-backs and to spend this amount of money or the, the amount of money that's reported for sven botman is ludicrous to even consider. Like there are people that have mentioned him in the same level as Delict for Juventus, and he's played alongside Virgil Van Dijk. And Delict, when he plays for the Netherlands, is an international player already. He captains the under twenty one side. Yeah, he, he's he's an absolute coup for Newcastle. Um, and the fact that we beat the Italian champions to this says a lot, not only about the project that Newcastle are building the Premier League, but what Eddie Howe and the team have done worldwide in terms of restoring Newcastle United's reputation, not only just in this country. Yeah, I think it is a satisfying sign and more than anything that we managed to beat the mighty AC Milan, despite Botman, you know, you know, apparently turning around and saying that he only wants to play for AC Milan and dreams of going there. Well, it didn't really work out that well, did it? <laughs> but then... Um, <laughs> Botman, it's, I think it's one of those, a bit like Bruno, where it's, he's one of those signings where I think it'll open doors to other players, where they see a player of his stature, you know, one of the top young talents in world football, 
choosing to come to Newcastle and, and kind of swapping, you know, potentially Champions League football to other clubs to come and play for us. I think he, it, this could be the first of many in terms of these like top young talents coming through the door here and want, like you said, Dan, kind of growing organically with the club as we continue to go up this this like rise as such. Yeah, definitely. I think it it's things like this which will be catalysts for other players to go, do you know what, Something's, something might be happening there. I think maybe looking back to mention him again, uh, Bruno, like maybe it's seeing what happened with him when he made the move, there was eyebrows raised. How well has that, that's gone for him, the goals, the assists, the contribution that he's had, how happy he seems to be around the place. Maybe that's had an effect already and that's why we've landed the likes of Sven Botman. So I think signings like this is absolutely massive and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's players out there that had a sort of question mark on, mm, they've not got European football, sure they've got a lot of money but it's going to take a long time to get anywhere. You might find them thinking, do you know what, I want to be a part of this, this is pretty exciting. I mean there's been lots of talk about summer budget, I mean there clearly is a one to an extent because we've seen that, I mean they've not went out and bought you know, maybe Moussa Diaby is probably the next on the list. It doesn't look like they're going to be willing to pay the £60 million. But I do think that they've turned around to these players. And Bruno said it in his first press conference, said, look, I want to win the Champions League here. Do you think that, mm-hmm. Alex, think they're telling players that, you know, we want to be in the Champions League within three years' time? Of course. They're, like, and if I was a player that was looking at a team like Newcastle United, I would be asking, what's the plan? What... What's going on? Like, what's the aim here? If I'm this many years into this this football club, what am I going to be getting? Am I going to be getting glory or am I going to just be part of someone that's chasing one last European spot and hoping that we we might sneak in because Wolves have had a player that's injured that can't score them goals or something? Is that what we're looking for? Are we looking to push for European football and titles? Because I want to win things in this career. And if I can do it in a city like this, that absolutely godlify players because they score five goals and get four assists, like like Bruno Gomeres did it from January, and he's already a god amongst most Geordie fans, like, then yeah, I'm going to come here. But it, yes, to answer your question, of course, they're asking that question, and, and I think they'd be foolish not to. Does provide a bit of a selection headache. I mean, it's a lovely one to have with with Botman coming in because you would assume he is going to start. He's a left-footed centre-half and Dan Byrne came in to kind of fill that void last season that we didn't have. So is it a case now where Dan Byrne drops to the bench and Fabian Shaw is alongside him or do you start with Byrne and Botman? Because for me, I would start the latter, to be fair, because I think think people kind of shy away from having two left-footed centre-halves, but left-footers are always better footballers anyways, I think. I don't see too much of a problem with two left footers, no. to be honest. I mean, I don't have stats to back it up, but, I'm, but I'd imagine just because of how many right-footed centre-halves there are out there, that that's quite common that two right-footers would play it together. Yeah. And that's never, ever, I've never heard that noticed as a problem, really. So I wouldn't mind about that. I mean, the thing that I would say, Byrne and Shaw, it could also be almost be like horses for courses, because if you're playing a, a team where you're expected to have more of the ball... Maybe you play Fabian Shaw, who's more likely to pick a pass to someone or carry the ball a bit further than Dan Byrne. And if you're playing um, you know, your Man City's, your Liverpool's, you'd probably say Dan Byrne is more focused. He's you know, he's switched on a bit more defensively, I'd say, than Fabian Shaw, and you play him. I think it's fairly obvious Botman is gonna be one of them. And then it's between them two. So I don't necessarily think it's one's better than the other. I just think it's 
you can maybe pick and choose based on obviously form comes into it massively um and also the type of opposition you've got and what sort of attributes would be useful in getting the best out of the players for those games it also open, opens up formation choices as well because what what's wrong with playing all three of them across a five back formation mm-hmm. nothing no. do you uh, think, i you... do think that limits limits us going forward a bit i mean the way we were playing under eddie howe second off season i know anything could happen and we could massively change but i think we were just very settled in the 433 and i i I can't see that changing any time soon, really. It's an interesting discussion to have, really, because I think Eddie Howe's kind of already said that this isn't... The way we played last season isn't the way he sees Newcastle in the future, so we don't actually know what his vision is. Mm. It could be a back three. I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's a stellar defence. It's just the only issue is, I think, with the wing-backs. I mean, Trippier, I think he's a remarkable footballer, but I don't think he's suited to a, to a wing-back role. I don't think he's quick enough, no, to be yeah. honest. But, I mean, Has he got the legs again? Yeah, played there for England, thing. though. Do you know what I mean? He started the Euro final there. So, I mean, Eddie Howe knows better than all of us, so I'm sure whatever he chooses is going to be very good. And I think, it's, like I said, it's, it's a good situation to have. But like you said there, Alex, I mean, you can play all three. But in terms of the other signing that we've made, and it's kind of been like swept under the carpet because it's been Botman mania, hasn't it, over the last like week or so. But Nick Pope has signed, and I think it's a... Great signing, and my argument is it at ten million pounds. I mean, we were being quoted forty in January, for example. Is this the value signing of the summer? It does represent good value. I mean, it's one that when because it came out of nowhere, really, didn't yeah. it? I was a bit sort of like, okay, that's that's a weird one because I think there's lots of areas that we can improve on. I wasn't convinced we'd we'd go over goalkeeper this early because I think mm-hmm. Martin Dubravka is has been a very good goalkeeper for us, and to be honest, he he finished the season really really strongly. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was it's a strange one. I think obviously, you look at the rumours in January that we're in for a keeper, probably has a bit of substance behind it. It seems like Eddie is was keen to get a new keeper in. I I don't know. I think I was expecting someone who was renowned to be better with their feet when we finally did yeah. make that upgrade. Mm-hmm. But like you say, I mean, for ten million pounds, a goalkeeper who's you know getting called up for England and quite quite a few people are shouting from. Uh, start for England over Jordan Pickford. Um, I think it's a very smart bit of business. It's just a bit of a shame for Dubravka, really. I mean, I, I kind of hope for his sake that he does get a transfer out because he, he doesn't, he can't be number two at this at this age of his career. You know, Newcastle will have a, a steady number two, probably, if if he does go. So I, I, I don't know, it's a weird one. But I think overall, once the dust settles, um, I definitely think it's a smart signing and, Ten million pounds and an absolute bargain. Alex, do you think it's more of a competition for Dubravka? Healthy, you know, we're going to rotate the keepers throughout the season, or do you think he's coming in as a straight-up number one, and Martin Dubravka is ultimately going to be the number two keeper next season? A uh, straight-up number one, and Martin Dubravka is ultimately going to be the number two next season. Um, look. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me. Personally, in my opinion, you don't buy a goalkeeper unless you want him to start in between your sticks. Oh, I agree. I th- yeah, I think with Pope, you think you're bang on. Because, I mean, look, World Cup's coming around the corner. He's had a really good season at Burnley. Because, I mean, I remember watching that last part of the season when we got ourselves out of the relegation fight a lot easier, of course. But Pope was, was, was I would say, was their best player quite comfortably. I mean, he's had glowing reviews from Burnley. I mean, I don't think you'll see a Burnley fan out there that's got anything bad to say about Nick Pope and that's a testament to the quality goalkeeper that he is questions are with him I think are his distribution but argument is 
Burnley play hoofball, they always have, so we don't actually know how good Nick Pope is with his feet because he's never mm-hmm. actually played in a team that plays out the back. So, yeah, but I, I do agree with you, Alex. I think he's he is going to come in as a number one. But like you've mentioned there, Dan, with Dubravka, you kind of alluded to a transfer out. Do you not think that they've like brought him in and maybe he's happy just to stick around for the season because he is a, a, a bit injury prone and I think he's he's locked in to be the starting goalkeeper for his national team? If if Dubravka's happy to stay in number two, then fantastic. I think he'd be one of the best number twos in the division, if not the best. But but I think for his sake, I can't see him being happy with that personally. And I think he's he Newcastle don't owe Martin Dubravka anything. Like no, sorry, Martin Dubravka doesn't owe Newcastle anything. Like, if he wants to go and play football, I think we should go, do you know what, thank you so much for the four or five years that you've been here, however long it's been, go and play football for the last few years of your career. So it, for me, it just depends on what the player wants because, like I say, he deserves to go play number one somewhere else. I mean, he could comfortably play for a lot of Premier League teams. So I still think he's top 10 Premier League. I mean, he's, he's dropped off a bit from when he first came in, absolutely, but... On his days, he's, he's unbeatable, I think, at times, and absolutely the best goalkeeper we've had at this club since since Shea Given, I would say. Prime Tim Crow was knocking on your door and mm, having a go at you. Not there, as good but as yeah. Given. No, no, no one. Uh, Shea Given was an absolute legend for this football club, and uh, uh, how it ended for Shea is, is disappointing, but that's a conversation for a different day. Yes, um, I completely agree with the top 10 analogy that you said there. He is 10. Um, you could arguably swap him. With the um, last four, in my opinion, of Jose Sar for Wolves, Martinez for Aston Villa, Sanchez for Brighton, and then obviously you got the Bravka for us. You could you could swap them for kind of around and say, yeah, they're probably round about that mix level um, there. And Martin Dubravka has been a great servant. The the only other point is is that we kind of had this conversation similar, but not like to the level because obviously we didn't spend any money. But um, when he got injured last preseason and um, Darlow or, or, or Woodman were going to come in and we were like, is this the end for um, Martin Dubravka yeah. at Newcastle United? And he proved everybody wrong there. So maybe he does it again this season. Yeah, I mean, last year was interesting, wasn't it? Because it went from, I mean, Darlow got injured and then I think Gillespie was injured and then obviously Dubravka got injured and it left Freddie Woodman. And we all kind of thought, hey, Freddie Woodman kicks on here. It could be like his Jordan Pickford moment where the doors open and this is a chance to be Premier League number one and you know kick on for England that sort of thing didn't work out and now he's he's signed for Preston on the permanent deal so a lot can change in a year and I'm sure that you know this goalkeeping merry-go-round we've got at Newcastle probably will continue throughout the season so I think we expect Carl Darlow to to leave the club w- within the coming weeks but summer transfer business as a whole so three players in Matt Target Sven Botman and Nick Pope Lots of other deals in the pipeline, it seems, that the club are, are looking to bring in another forward player, maybe two, I think it's probably what we do need. Um, how are we feeling so far, lads? Are we, are we happy with the business that's been done? Or, like I have seen a few people say, a tad underwhelmed that we've not done a bit more? I'd say I'm, I'm satisfied with the business that's been done. Um, I wouldn't say I'm underwhelmed, but I can kind of see where that viewpoint's come from, because essentially what we've added to the squad that finished last season is we've added one more outfield player mm-hmm. and the goalkeeper wasn't really an issue to start with. So I, I do it, but I don't necessarily subscribe to that thought process because I think it's only pre- the players have only just come back for pre-season. Like, it is ridiculously early to start throwing statements like that out. I know the season's early this time, but I think there will be more business done and we've, we've massively improved the defence already. A player that's 
you know we've wanted for months and months and months. So I'm not I'm not underwhelmed. I would say I'm satisfied. I mean, we did most of our business that we wanted in January. So, mm-hmm. like, we we improved the team massively in the January months uh, towards the end of the season, and we've only seen six months of these players. So these guys could have more to give um, and more more and more to kick on throughout the season. So, no, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. Um, I, I, I'd i agree with Dan as well. I'm completely satisfied. If the transfer window was to close today, I, I'd be happy with the business we've done. We signed, we, we signed a quality centre-back that is European quality and we signed a top, a, a top goalkeeper that's got international and Premier League experience. How many other teams have done that? Man United haven't. Arsenal have signed arguably a really good centre mid. We did that in January. Spurs have been spending money left, right, and centre because they've got the, one of the best managers in the league. Man City signed the best young striker in the uh, league, and uh, Liverpool signed the B Tech version of uh, Ireland. <laughs> like these guys have got ridiculous amounts of money. We didn't have that. We have a budget set because of financial fair play. We're sticking to that. We're attaining that. Everybody thought we were going to go out and just buy everybody under the sun. We've not done that. We've done it smartly. We've done it sensibly. Like, just chill out a little bit. Get used to spending money and us being in the headlines for good reasons and us being in the headlines for money and everything like that. Everybody shared the day that um, Steve Bruce said, oh, we're, we're done in terms of January, uh, in terms of the summer, and that was like June 20, 24th. <laughs> it's like... It's like February seventh, uh, July seventh, sorry, and we're talking about one of the best young wingers in in the, not only in the Premier League but then another excellent one in the world. Like, it's not over, Newcastle fans. Chill, just just calm down, lads. Right? It's mad that it's only been like a year since we were all sitting here begging that that we'd get the Joe Willock deal over the line on a permanent. Now we're sat here a little bit annoyed <laughs> that they've not went and spent sixty million pound on a winger by now. It's it's honestly unreal. But Alex, like you said there, if the window was to close now, I actually wouldn't be happy because I think it would be a missed opportunity. I just think we've got a great amount of money. I think the financial fair play isn't as big of an issue as they're alluding to. I think I think they're being very careful. They're taking stock. But I do think that they need another striker just because Chris Wood hasn't well, he didn't really set the world alight, did he? And Callum Wilson will get injured. He ain't going to stay fit for the full season. If he does, he scores you 20, 25 goals comfortably. But if not... We're going to struggle to to get into Europe, I would say, which I think is the aim this season. I know it will not be spoke about by the club, but it has to be the the objective of, of, of at least a top seven finish this season, which is uh, which is fantastic. But we've we spoke about the winger situation there and strikers and maybe other positions that we do need to strengthen, maybe another midfielder. Um, but where do you lads see the next primary target being for you? Would it would it be a winger? Because I mean, I think it would be for me. Yeah, I think wing, winger or striker, really. Um, I think that's where the club... I mean, you can't take too much from the rumours here because there's so many of them. But, yeah. I mean, the, the, it was clearly there was the club were in for Ekatike and the money was there for Hugo Ekatike. Whatever reason, agent or whatever, it hasn't happened and it's looking unlikely to. And then this Musa Diaby, who looks just so exciting as a f- footballer, gets linked and I'm thinking that'll be alright wouldn't it um, but yeah I, I think wingers and strikers for me definitely yeah yeah uh, I completely agree with Dan um, it, it's very very a pattern here that me and Dan end up agreeing unless it's about a male craft and then um, <laughs> then we, we all start off and um, go crazy but no um, winger or a striker is there and if it's any of the names that are linked 
Oh boy, this team's going to be so much fun to watch. It really is. Um, like Anthony Gordon, we were discussing off pod before. There, he's a he's a bit of that player that's just nasty and you kind of want on your team because he is a little bit of a troublemaker and it just brings you a smile that he's he's your guy. Um, Diaby as well, as I said, he's one of the most promising youngsters in, in Europe and has set the Bundesliga alight. Um, the new one that, that was like rumoured by the Guardian this morning of Callum Hudson-Odoi, we all know how much he, he can really turn it on when he gets actual football and it would be nice to get another English talent in there. So, yeah, any of them, just I'll have all of them, I'll have one of them, just any one of them would be really nice. But a winger would be great. Um, and yeah, it's sad about the palindrome man that is Hugo Ekatike, um, but we we miss him. I think you'll regret that one, Ekatike. I don't think it was really down to him. I think it was a lot down to his agent. I mean, we had a fantastic chant lined up for him. You know, he had an opportunity to come play here. I mean, he would have been the perfect sign, I think, because he's a great young talent. He's He can play out wide, he can play up front. I think he would have solved a lot of issues, and you can see why the club were were adamant in getting them, not just in this transfer window, but in the previous one. But it seems that PSG might be signing them, which I think is what his agent wants ultimately. But we'll see how he does. You know, all the best of him. It's going yeah. to be a good one to keep an eye on to see how his career goes. Um, bit of a shame that he's not going to be in a Newcastle shirt, but it's not like we're short of alternative options. I mean, my God, I mean, Musa Diaby, that would be something special, but I think he might be a little bit too much for us in this transfer window, would we be able to convince him to, to come? Because I think he's look, he's in the French national team already. I think if he is going to leave Leverkusen, it's going to be for a, for a European side. But you don't know. We all thought the same about Bruno and, and look what happened there. I think it might answer also why we've been looking at other targets. Uh, Anthony Gordon, he's really, really split opinion. I think a lot of people don't like him just because of the theatrics he does on the pitch and the fact that he plays for Everton, all that sort of things. But I think 35 million quid, yeah, it's a lot of money. But I think he'd be worth it, which is a bit of an outlandish opinion, I think. But I think he's a good talent, he's fast, he works hard. He's he's as good going back as he is going forward, which I think is something you need, especially when St Maximin's in the team. Because like we saw last year, he doesn't come back and defend and it does leave that back four exposed. I think he would solve a lot of problems, but is he going to leave his boyhood club after his breakout season? I, I don't see it. Another one that was talked about, which we we spoke about in another pod, uh, another pod, I think, was Jack Harrison from Leeds. Another one where he's actually had a really, really good season, kind of gone under the radar. Um, might get an England call next year if he, if, he, if he continues the way he's playing. That would be a good one. But one that I want to kind of talk about, which is was not on our original list, just because this leak, well, wherever it was, I don't know whether it's true or not, came out in the Spanish press about an hour ago. I don't know whether you've seen it, but it's for Real Madrid's Marco Asensio. Now, I can't believe that he is only 26. I thought he was, what, 30? He's been around for so long, but apparently Newcastle are pushing harder than any other club to sign him in this window. Now, that would be a, a really, really good signing, wouldn't it? It'd be a statement signing. I, I'm not sure it's got much Legs to truth it. about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know those rumours that you see pop up in random mm. publications I, I just I can't see it he doesn't fit the bill for what we're going with at the minute because I imagine wages would be an issue yeah. to to start with you know he's a player that I mean I don't know I don't watch a lot of him but I've, I've just seen the comments on the post that any of C360 put out there and there's a Madrid fan 
I don't know if he's a genuine Madrid fan, said, yeah, 10 million is yours. And then other Newcastle fans who claim to know more about the Spanish league saying, I wouldn't wouldn't go there. Like, for a name, like, yeah, definitely. But I'm not, I don't know, I, I can't see that one paying off. I think, I think we'd all get extremely excited if it did because it's Marco Asensio. But yeah, I, I, I can't see that one having any sort of truth to it, if I'm being honest. It screams Arsenal if he is going to move to the Premier League, doesn't it, Alex? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it, like, it screams one of them signings of Arsenal that everyone takes the mick out of two years later of like, oh, I can't believe they went and signed Michael Asensio. Um, what a waste of money. That's just my opinion. I, I, I don't rate the man highly at all. Uh, he'd be great because he's probably uh, technically better than any footballer we have at, at the club, barring the absolute god that is Joe Linton. Um, but a uh, craft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a crap as well. Uh, just in walking into training with that bin bag. I, oh, we'll talk about that at uh, a different time. <laughs> My God, that was unbelievable. <laughs> move from Emil. To... He looks so smart, Emil, walking in with that shirt. I mean, that man, he looked like he just stepped off a beach in Mykonos. It's a bold shirt. move to walk up to first day of pre-season training in your pyjamas and carrying a bin bag. <laughs> it Only so a meal could pull it off. He pulls it off, though. You can tell it's Milan Fashion Week, can't you? Because that's where He is be. a Swedish sex symbol. <laughs> I'm not sure this is staying in the pod, but... It's staying in. It's staying in. <laughs> Absolutely staying in. I adore him so much. Um, but, yeah, going back to Marco Asensio... Um, yeah, okay, great. If it, if it's got any legs, we'll get more excited about it. But at, at this moment, no, please. Um, can we have Diaby instead, please? I think with Asensio, I think it's probably one of those links where his agent is trying to drum up interest and maybe trying to get some more money out of other clubs and he's going, yeah, Newcastle, they're after him because they've got loads of money. Apparently, Asensio earns 117 grand a week at Real Madrid, which is quite modest for their standards. And he probably would fit in our wage bill. I mean, he'd probably have to take a little bit of a pay cut. And let's be honest... He ain't going to do that to come and sign for us. So unless we're paying him 150 grand a week, uh, he won't be at Newcastle. If he is to sign anywhere, it would be Arsenal or or probably Aston Villa. Let's, let's be real. But um, out of the, the targets that we've got, we assume, I think Mr Diaby is like the unanimous choice here, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love Gordon as well for the reasons that you said as well. I think Young, he's... He's hungry. Grafter, isn't he? I, I, yeah, I've seen, I seen, I don't know how true it is, but I've seen someone on Twitter say that he was actually a boyhood Liverpool fan, not Everton. Oh, so I saw that. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's not as much of a boyhood club thing as, as we think. I don't know. That could just be a load of rubbish. I don't know. Seeing that, remember, yeah, when, I'd have um, him, certainly. remember when Wayne Rooney, yeah, he's a boyhood Everton fan. He went to join Man United, scored against them, and then started shushing them at Goodison. So. <laughs> <laughs> he might do that if he signs for them. Um, Actually, I want to speak about someone quickly who might be a bit of a budget option for Newcastle. He's not actually been signed by anyone yet. Maxwell Corney, available for £17.5 million. Pounds. I mean, Christ, we've signed so many Burnley players and not many of them have paid off, but I think Corney would be a decent signing. Ultimately, not in the standards of Diaby and Sensu and all those sort of players, but I think for that sort of money, it's a bit of a no-brainer. In terms of his versatility as well, I think we can do a lot worse. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, the lad scored... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was nine Premier League goals for Burnley last season. Something which like to missed me, a few that's penalties as well. Like you know, <laughs> nine Premier League goals for Burnley in the side that got relegated. They were pretty. They were honking really, weren't they? They were, up, they were shocking. Terrible. So nine. Any striker scored nine goals for Burnley, and that's his first real season and as an attacking as player as well, wasn't it? Yeah, he came in. Yeah, he came in as a left back. Like 
And then they went, ah, no, he's not good. I, Let's I, stick him up front. <laughs> like, I think if we sign him, say, as a Diaby or Gordon alternative, because they are more likely to be proved too expensive, I still think he probably starts for, for us next season and makes an improvement on our current starting eleven. So him I'd, and Fraser, I think, would probably be a, yeah. some good rotation I think, options. Yeah. But we talked about injuries before. Like Fraser's had some really good moments in the team last year, but the fact of the matter is he's he's not going to stay fit. No. And Corne's stats last season far uh, outweigh Fraser's. So for me, it, what did you say? It was seventeen million? I think that would be an seventeen that and a half millions is relegation. Seventeen and a half million. I I think yeah. I'm, I'm amazed no one's picked him up. To be honest, I I wasn't aware of that clause. Yeah, I, I would definitely be all over that one personally. I'm just a little bit wary. Because um, like that would be the third signing from Burnley in less than a year, and Super Jeff as well. If you go back and <laughs> yeah, if you go if you go back, uh, okay. So in, in a year's time, that would be the fourth signing from Burnley, and only like well, arguably, none of them have paid uh, off right. yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. None of them have really gone gone brilliantly yet. Um, we hope that Nick Pope's going to be great and he he's going to be, be a, another legend of Shea Givens' caliber and stuff like that. Uh, Chris Wood didn't really work out, but we've already discussed how Chris Wood is great and we, we respect and actually say thank you, Chris. You were brilliant for us last season. Um, Jeff Hendrick, move on. Uh, uh, let's not talk about <laughs> Jeff Hendrick now. Um, and yeah, like. Okay, let's sign a French winger that's um, absolutely tricky and has scored goals in the Premier League. Oh, we have one of those, but let's have another one. Why not? Yeah, why not? What, Death what, bun. <laughs> what I will say about the Burnley thing, like Jeff Hendrick and Chris Wood are very Burnley. Corners might be the least Burnley player to have ever played for Burnley. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it doesn't feel the same. It has a different feel to it. I remember talking to one of my mates when he first saw him playing. I mean, he is a Burnley fan. And he said that he was in the crowd for his first game and he, he came on and he started doing step overs and all the people around me were going, wow, never seen a Burnley player do a step over before. So yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> no, I, to be fair, Corne will be playing in the Premier League next season. I mean, in terms of like wingers from relegated clubs, even as Myla Sarr and Emmanuel Dennis, they're another couple of players I think that would that would probably start for Newcastle. And I think we should look at them, especially Saar. I mean, his injury record's not great, but he's definitely the most talented out of all them. And if you go back a couple of years, Liverpool were doing everything they could to try and sign him. So I think he, he's another player. But look, the club are going to get players in. There's no, you know, there's no need to worry about that. We are going to sign a winger. I think we'll sign a striker as well, and that might be business done. But as it stands, it seems that the club are kind of taking stock, assessing over pre-season. Because I mean, like Elliot Anderson might have a great pre-season, and he might be in line to start. So. You don't know um, until the, the opening day of the season where Newcastle will play Nottingham Forest. I know the fixtures came out a few weeks ago, but we, we don't really upload very much anymore, so we've not actually spoke about them. Fixtures out, look, shock horror, you play every single team twice over a season, but there's always quite a lot in between the lines. And if you look at those first four games, um, Forest at home, Brighton away, Man City at home, Wolves away, I'd like to think there's at least three wins in the bag there. Yeah, I mean, obviously nothing's... Granted, um, going to Brighton and Wolves will be difficult. I mean, Forest, they'll be bang up for it first game back in the Premier League after God knows how many years. So it's such a cliche, but there's no, there's no easy games. I mean, we could have, Newcastle could have got any one of the 
endless possibilities and we'd be going, oh, that's that's a, in some ways that's a really tough game and Forest's no different. You know, on paper, I imagine Newcastle will have a better start in 11 than Nottingham Forest, but that's not how it often works and they'll be bang up for it. A lot of newly promoted teams start on fire and then sort of teams sort of work them out, how to play against them. So yeah, it, it could be a tough start, but there's no reason why we can't get a couple of couple of wins and get get the season started. To be fair, a little bit more on the Forest game. I think it's probably one of the last games I would have wanted, irrespective yeah. of the, the quality of opposition. Because I think Forest, probably on paper, are probably one of the worst teams in the division. I mean, look, yeah. they came up via the playoffs, but there's such a good feel-good factor about them at the minute. I mean, they've got a really good mm. manager in charge who's turned it around. They've had a good summer window so far. I think that the, the chances are they're going to be going into this game against us with probably a team that you haven't recognised from that playoff final. And yeah, like you said, it does kind of remind me when like Huddersfield got promoted, and they they had that like a thing about them, and they, I think they went to Palace and won three 0 in the opening day. So Newcastle got good home form, but they're gonna have to be bang on it to beat them. What do you think about this one, Alex? Because I I really do see it as a bit of a banana skin. Yeah, completely. Um, like, and I I build off what Dan said as well. Like the. There was, what, 18 other teams that we could have faced that we would have gone, oh, that's tricky. The only side that we know that Newcastle always beat on the opening day of the season was West Ham. Like, we well, they beat, beat us last year, but... <laughs> yeah, that didn't, didn't end too well last year. Steve Bruce doesn't count. We move on, but, um, like, yeah, the Forest hype, especially um, down here in the Midlands where I am currently situated, um, is real. Like, it is, it, it's completely real. Even in Derbyshire, like, they only have Forest to really kind of cling on to and be like, oh, these guys are kind of doing good. And the fact that they're looking at players like Nico Williams and Omar Richards, um, who anybody that plays FM know that these guys are ballers, and anybody that watched the championship last season know these guys are ready for the step up. They're, they're cramming their team for, for the future, not just this season and trying to spend £100 million and stay up. They're not doing the Fulham route. They're not doing the Aston Villa route. They're trying to build something. And the hype is real. Um, Steve Cooper is a great manager and is one of those guys that we'll be looking at in five years going, he's the next Graham Potter. Um, whether he's still at Forest or whether he moves to Brighton Palace, one of the, them teams. Or that's one the of England them. job. Yeah. Uh, who, whomever, wherever. But um, yeah, it's it's one of them. Um Personally, as Dan said again, I think we're stronger on paper. Um, and first game of the season, that crowd at St. James's Park is going to be a sellout. It's going to be electric. War flags are going to have us absolutely decked out top to bottom. It's going to be unbelievable. So I think that for the Forest players who are used to playing at Luton away or um, Peterborough uh, aren't, aren't really going to experience it. And what a place to really, really get your feet wet lads and hopefully lose yeah it's, I mean it's a tough game for both sides I mean Forrest will probably they wouldn't have wanted to play us on the opening day especially with St James's and the crowd and that sort of thing but like there's not an easy game in the Premier League but in terms of the actual running I mean notable games I'm just scrolling through now to remind myself I've got Leicester away on Boxing Day ugh do you know what I mean it's just one of those ones but Leeds at home yeah. New Year's Eve that's a stunning game of football that one right there that would be a game. quiet night in at the library. That would be a quiet night at the end, absolutely. Um, <laughs> in terms of the final running, because I always think that you've always got to look at that final running and have a look at the teams you're playing. And I can already announce now that Newcastle have beaten Southampton at St James's Park. 
because we're playing them on the 29th of April and the chances are they'll already be safe <laughs> from relegation and they'll be on the beach. So there's a guaranteed three points. Uh, we play Arsenal, I think it's the penultimate home game of the season, so that's a win. No, I'm, I'm sounding too cocky here. A final home game of the season is against Leicester. Chelsea away on the final day where I'm sure we'll be lifting the Premier League title if we've not done that before. And as you can see, I'm getting, getting carried away here. But um, yeah, fixtures, it doesn't really mean a lot, I don't think. But I do think it's important to have an easy start and an easy end, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're the the main times where you're sort of getting off to a good start and then basically maximising as high as you can possibly finish. So yeah, it's there's a lot of people, oh, it's, they play each other twice. I mean... For me, it's just like plan. Ooh, which games are on what days? Oh, yeah. Everton away on a Tuesday night. That's a surprise. <laughs> just for a change. Which away games can I get to this year? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. But yeah, start and finish is the main things. And we, I can't remember the last time we had a good start to a season. Like even when we were in the championship, we lost the first two. The, the the season we got promoted. I think we were like fifth or fourth or something after the first five games. Other than that, I I can't remember. We usually do start quite slowly or just pretty in like mediocre last season yeah, was horrendous. Just, it was awful i mean we just i just want something to like i want to watch match of the day before it gets to december basically <laughs> that's it's not a lot to ask for because it took december last time oh i to be honest right last last time the last match of the day um i recorded it and watched it 15 minutes late so i could skip newcastle's game i'm not even doing <laughs> i hope i don't have to do that this season do you know what? I'm worse than that because I'm just in such a huff at Newcastle doing bad. I, I don't, I don't like football. I'm not watching any of it. <laughs> just get yourself the cosy Joes instead, and just have a way better time. Oh, exactly. Forget about uh, what happened. Just before we wrap up, that I want to um, address the ticketing situation. Quite a few things have uh, have happened. First one is the club only released a thousand season tickets. No, I didn't get one. Am I a bit better? Yes. Uh, but I know for a fact there's over ten thousand um, seats available on each match day now. Uh, apparently they aren't releasing any more. I've gotten good authority that is the case, and the reason is they want they say they want as many fans as possible to be able to attend games throughout the season. Membership scheme's great. I think it works quite well, and I think if most fans who want to attend home games next season will be able to get them through a single ticket. So I don't think it's much of an issue. However, I have heard a few people say that they are only doing this because they're trying to make as much more trying to make more money. Because obviously, if you have a season ticket you save money throughout the season as opposed to buying a match ticket every single game. What do you think about that? Is that maybe more of the owners kind of taking advantage of the hype around the club knowing it's going to sell out? Or is it genuinely they're turning around and going, hang on a minute, it's a much more premium product now in Newcastle United since they're spending money, we've got a good manager, there's feel-good factor around the place. I have a different opinion. It's based on absolutely nothing but pure speculation. But I think... They've already started looking at the process of expanding the stadium. Mm. And I think if they give more season tickets out, they need to be able to relocate because part of the ground will have to close down at some point. Mm -hmm. They're going to need to relocate all season ticket holders. So if they give out more season tickets, they won't be able to relocate them all. If there's 10,000, they might have to cut off 10,000 seats in the stadium just to do the work so they can relocate the season ticket. That's what I'm thinking I mean, because I think roughly how many demand... holders have we got at the minute I mean I think it's about 31,000 32,000 I'd, I'd guess low 30s yeah low I mean, 30s because so a lot of people didn't one. yeah that was yeah. what was reported by the Chronicle what did they say when this, sorry uh, when the like ticket speculation was going off um, the Chronicle reported that they, it was 31,000 yeah 
yeah. that were already in um, like ownership of season tickets, um, and the fact that there were there were more people that were clamouring for season tickets was why Newcastle United were doing this. Was so that like you've already got your so many percentage of the stadium done, which thirty one thousand minus fifty two thousand, whatever. Somebody that's good at maths, tell us in a comment section how how much percentage of a stadium that is. You've already got that. Like you now that the club is becoming a commercial measure, not only abroad but locally as well, and everybody wants to come to every game. You are going to have to do a lottery system so it is more fair on people that might be only able to afford that one game a one game a year or one game a month instead of the full season ticket at this present moment. And that was the way that I saw it, and I thought that that was fairer for the likes of myself who 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 is down south at the moment due to work coincidences and probably can only come to a game every one or two months. So it's easier for me to try and get a ticket than like the likes of people that live in the live in the Newcastle area and do that lot, which obviously the other side to that argument is, well, we live there, we want to be able to go to our own game and if we want to support the club every game for every season, we should be able to do that. And I completely agree, but where do you stop it? And mm-hmm. I kind of think the club made the right decision here. Yeah, because I mean, look, I think there's, so obviously it was 31,000 for, now it's going to be 32k. So that means if you exclude away fans, massive top of the head. So how many empty seats have we got? So there'll be about seventeen thousand spare seats on a match day, is that correct? No, fourteen thousand. See, I wasn't very good at maths. Yeah. There we go, fourteen thousand seats. So, I think to be honest, anybody who's wanting to attend a game um, will be able to. Um, I did notice on the ticketing site, you might have noticed it as well, Dan. They've added a ballot section. Wondering if that's. I, I have not seen it myself, but I've seen like someone screenshot it. Yeah. And, uh, um, is that is that real? Is it? It is. I, I think it's more for away games than it is for home games, and. I mean, I've got no information on this at all, but I do think that because away games are kind of like... I mean, they're gold dust now. I mean, unless you know people with points or you've been going for a long time, you're not going to get to a game. It's it's a, it's a closed shop, essentially. I think that they might ballot off probably 500... Let's say 500 out of that 3,000 allocation to members or season ticket holders under five points, that sort of thing. Or it might come in for home games. I mean, look, it's like Liverpool, I know for a fact... Um, ballot off home games and away games. I think a lot of clubs do do it, so I think it's it's something that we'll we'll definitely see next season. How they'll do it, it, it is another one. But ticket prices we've kind of spoke about before, and I don't think it's much of an issue. I mean, look, I think we a lot of people were paying six hundred odd quid a season under Ashley. They're not paying any more now. But the the friendly games and the cup games seem to be going up in price, and they have. I think an, an adult ticket for a friendly yeah. game last season was ten pounds. Um, ten na- pounds, yeah, until the day of the game when on the cash turnstile it doubled. Turns to twenty, yeah. So from now it is twenty pound for a ticket, which, to be honest, for an afternoon of football uh, entertainment, I don't think in this current climate. Obviously, standard of living's all going up, and a lot of people don't have a lot of, don't have as much income every month. Uh, it has gone up, so I see a lot of people were a little bit angry, and I saw a lot of people going, oh you know, it's, it's fine, you know, they're putting lots of money into the club and that sort of thing. Yeah, great, but end of the day, it is still a working-class area. I wasn't keen on the idea of charging 20 instead of 10 for the pre... I just don't see what, like... Cup games, yes, the, but friendlies, maybe not. I, yeah. In terms of, like, the revenue of clubs these days, I feel like tickets, like, for friendlies and cups are such a small part of it that I don't think the club will notice a difference, like, no. whether they charge 10 or 20. So I, I just think... 
I'll just keep it at 10, just remain a bit of good feeling. I'm not going to start criticising the owners because they're charging 20 quid for a friendly. I'm sure 19 other Premier League clubs charge a similar amount. It's probably the going rate. Yeah, it will be. But I just I feel like it would have been a smart move to keep it at 10, personally. Like I'm not going to kick off about it. Though. I mean, someone highlighted that actually if you go back pre-Ashley, when we were playing friendlies and cup games and that sort of thing, they were around the £20 mark. I just think that they yeah, actually, that, yeah. actually dropped the prices to get people in the ground, ultimately. Because yeah. I think if if they were twenty quid, no one would have turned up. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, you're completely right. But like uh, speaking on what Dan said there about like the fact that owners are never going to really like see this revenue cycle of it. Like, why do Newcastle United owners care? We're the richest club in the world. I mean, right. I I think financial fair play falls into it, but no. like kind of Dan I, alluded to there, we've just we've just signed a sleeve sponsor for seven and a half million quid. Like, yeah. in terms of ticket sales, I mean, look, I expect both friendlies to be nigh on a sellout. The two games, I would say, let's say for argument's sake, forty five thousand each for each game. So there you go. Times that by two, there's ninety k. And if every single person, say, you probably have half kids, half adults, so say you say roughly fifteen quid a ticket. They're going to be earning over a million pound from them two friendly games. It's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but if you're charging a tenner and a fiver, it's half the amount. It it is just one of those things. But Man City have low ticket prices. I mean, how much do Man City charge for charge for Champions League games? They don't charge a lot, but they struggle to get fans in the ground. <laughs> we don't struggle for fans, so it it's one of those. It you can sit on the fence. You can be for it. You can be against it. But this is why, uh, as a fan base, we have it so good because people agree, people disagree, and I'm sure that the owners, if the if there is much of a backlash on this, which there won't be, because I mean, look, tickets are flying out the door for the, for these games, then they probably will um, rectify it. But I think, I think that's it. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to cover. But we're up to date over the last month of our of our absence. There'll be lot lots more to come from us. I'm sure we'll be back with another podcast soon. Not going to put a time frame on it though, because let's be honest, until something big happens, if Musa Diaby signs tomorrow, chances are we'll jump on again. So until then, uh, that's all for now. Thanks, lads, for um, for coming on. Pleasure as always. This has been Time Wolf, brought to you by Vavil UK in association with the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.